Welcome to Owen and Baru's Barbecue. We're back and we're serving up a fresh Melu Run fruit kebab with Ognut Snout. And it's all pit roasted slow over Nick's hatred of The mm. Last Jedi. Mm. I'm Matt and I am joined by Nick. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. I, I, I don't know if, if, if it's proper to eat Ognut Snout. Like they're sentient creatures. Is it is it cannibalism? It's fun to say. Yeah. Ugnut snout. It is either that or puffer pig snout, but I you know, I mean that's it's rebels themed. That actually so. was to me was uh, in the not the la- the last episode. That was to me the one of the funniest moments is you know, the com- combination of Hondo going, They do fly, you know, and, and <laughs> him just smacking that glass and just yeah. like, oh you know, because you know that hurt. <laughs> I, I liked that part too. So that's why I had to throw in the Ognut Snout because, uh, um, anyway, uh, as I mentioned, yes, uh, I'm joined with Nick. And today, this is our, our, our kind of, we're finishing out with our final edition of Star Wars Rebels. Uh, we're breaking down the, the last one, season four, episode, whatever. And it's, uh, so basically, we where we left off is we have two episodes to go. We have a uh, Fool's Hope, and Family Reunion, and Farewell, or Farewell and Family Reunion. I get those two flip flopped. <laughs> those are the two episodes that we're going to talk about, though. Kind of rounding out well, the you know, the end of Rebels. If you think about it; they're kind of the same. You know, it's a fool's errand to have a a family reunion. No one's happy at a family reunion. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, um, to, to at least you know, because I, I kept thinking, like, what is the family reunion? There's lots of different reunions in that episode. Um, maybe, maybe we'll kind of put a pin in that thought and um, yeah. get to it. True. Um, what, um, what say you, Nick? Uh, a fool's hope. Um, we'll start with that one. Um, do, do you think it's a reference to a new hope? It's very true. Um, I can see that because you know the the way the episode ends, or is it? No, it's the way it ends. You know, in that they're wanting to light that spark to mm-hmm. show that the empire can be defeated, which up until that point is a fool's errand because it's it's a David and Goliath story, uh, and of course with Rogue One now being canon and A New Hope, those are the sparks that ignited the rebellion in a way. Yeah, well, um, the first the first episode of Rebels is called "The Spark of the Rebellion." So, um, so um, yeah, a fool's hope. Um, I, I know uh, prior to us starting this this podcast, uh, you had kind of mentioned like, well, you know, there was that episode. It was basically just like, no, I mean, there's there's good little bits in it. Yeah, I mean, I agree. But like, as in, if you had to give someone one sentence. Mm-hmm. Sum up that episode. It's what yeah. I say. It's like, oh, it's this is what happened. Like, okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are some cool things that that happen in there. Um. I I did write down some notes. I'll I'll try to break down it as general as possible, but it's a little bit more uh, deeper than my uh, last episode where I kind of used just IMDb and we hit the the major highlights. Um. This episode begins with Hera, Rex, and Callus. And they visit the other two clones, Gregor and 
Wolf, um, who have gathered even more allies of, of you know, the past. They, we, we see Ketsu, who is Sabine's friend from uh, episode eight of season two. So okay. they, yeah, they have a past there. I, she doesn't say much in the episodes. She's kind of more filler. Just there to look. Yeah, uh, she's just there to be Sabine part two. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, and then, it was, uh, is it this episode? No, it was the next episode with the uh, with the at landing the ship on. Mm-hmm. It. That was pretty cool. I think that no, I think that's this episode right here is is the very the fool's hope where they have the ad at at the very beginning because I think that's the ad at that they they took over at the very end of um, oh way back in season two when they first meet the clones on this planet there's a whole standoff that they have with three ad ats mm-hmm. and I kind of assumed that they they scavenged the one or you know they um, and oddly enough I mean Callus was actually in that episode. Um, he's the one that's yeah. trying to target the clones. Yeah. So, um, and here he is coming back with the, the actual clones that uh, defeated him. Um, we also see Hondo and, uh, as you mentioned earlier, Melch, who's, who's got a, he's kind of got a hero's journey. <laughs> this uh, Ognut Melch. Um and Hondo delivers probably uh, one of the most endearing compliments about Ezra. He says, for that boy, there is nothing I would not do. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, say what you will about Hondo. He's, he's got some endearing qualities. He was never my favorite. I didn't like him at all in the Clone Wars just because he was always, to me, a filler episode. It's like, oh, more pirates, you know. <laughs> yeah. But right. in Rebels, I, I liked him a little more because it wasn't as much in your face. Um and he did have a nice kind of round, rounded story arc, as in like, you know, in the Clone Wars, he's a bit more out for himself, whereas in this one, he's a bit more older, more willing to work with others. But you can still see his stubbornness and his, his little bit of his selfishness is still there. Oh, yeah, he's he's totally out for money. I mean, every I mean, he's he does do this for for Ezra. And I think that that this beginning part is kind of showing you that all of the gathering together for Ezra. Um, you know, this is not, this is not the, this is not the rebellion's fight. This is Ezra's fight. And so it's, it's kind of cool to see everyone rallying together here. Um, and, and at least, uh, to kind of tag onto your comments about Hondo, I, I would agree agree about that. And, and also kind of add Maul is a character who I always felt was really, I liked him, but I felt like he was a lot more one dimensional and in inside the clone wars liked that we got more all but i still felt like he was only so deep and with rebels i felt like we got to go to the deep end with with maul's character yeah well yeah and I, yeah i agree uh but maul was i mean we saw him yearning and and we saw a lot more development with his brother and in, in clone wars and i don't want to discount what happened in clone wars we get a lot of maul in him and in, in clone wars but I really and I really kind of fell in love with Maul as a character when I watched him in Rebels. Hmm. So even though he's his arc is over and it's somewhat short lived, right. but well, I because you know because you know like as well like Maul was pretty much kidnapped as a small child and raised by Sidious and and so he's not meant to have a lot of character development because all he's known is just hate. 
and revenge. And I think that's why you see Savage, his brother, in case people don't know, uh, in the Clone Wars. <laughs> yeah, you know, like he he's he is the weaker one. He's weaker and he has emotions and things like that until it's kind of forced out of him by the, the night sister mm-hmm. and all that. And you're like, oh, it's interesting what Maul could have been or been different if he had been raised with his brother or whatnot. But I mean, I, I like I think some of the best episodes in the Clone Wars are the ones written by Katie Lucas that oh yeah that uh that focus on Maul and the the Night Sisters and Ventress because those are Ventress in particular is my favorite character of all Star Wars. Um, I just like her complexity and her inner struggle of you know she was raised by a Jedi, but then after he was killed, she goes to evil, and even throughout you know she's working for dooku or, or whoever she is kind of always shoved to the side you know and it's, it's she's a, she's a mm-hmm. tragic she's a tragic character and I like yeah her. even even she even has moments a really great moment with uh, ahsoka when yeah. ahsoka's on the run and i um, mean they they kind of actually team up together and there's a really great moment uh where those two characters are yeah they're kind of um yeah uh, I, I don't know yeah, they're on the run together, and uh, hmm. Well, that's interesting. That uh, now, have you written any fan fiction about her that I should know about? No, um, <laughs> <laughs> I probably could. I never have attempted it because I really do love Ventress. I think she's a really interesting character, and I liked the way that they ended her because they did have an end for her in the Clone Wars written out, and of course, they never got hmm. to finish season six. Right. Uh, and so I forget the author's name. But it appears in Dark Apprentice, right? No, not, not Dark Apprentice. Dark, Isn't that Dark, Dark, Dark Disciple. Disciple. Dark, that's it, yeah. yeah. Basically, she that's took the, 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 the final story arcs of Ventress and then added in some things. And if anyone out there is a Clone Wars Ventress fan, I do recommend the book. There is a lull in it um, somewhere between like what would be considered the second and third act. And you can tell that it's kind of just a few filler chapters to make the book a little bit longer, but hmm. ultimately it's, it's a good book. Christine something. It's her author's name. <laughs> I don't know. It'll hit me later. I can go get the book, but well, I, mean, I, I liked it. I read it in probably two or three days. Oh, wow. And yeah. it's, you know, it's a good 300 page book. Oh yeah. No, it is. It's, it's I've, yeah. I've taken, a, I've taken a gander at it, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of paused on books right now. I was, I was starting that uh, last of the Han Solo, um, old nineteen, right? Yeah, the seven, the seventies, uh, Brian Daly, you know, trilogy. But uh, it's not really that exciting, you know. It's like I can't wait to get through it, but you know, it's kind of like you, you reach a certain point with a book series where you're like, well, I kind of hate reading this right now, but I really would like to just finish it. Let's, before I move on to the fun stuff, that's what's <laughs> funny is because you know this is we talked about this too with the aftermath, you know, because I read the first half of the first book and I went, I don't want to finish it. I just, and then you told me it got better, you know, with book two or three, and I was, like, I okay. yeah, but I, I, just, I did, didn't care. Yeah, I think I think what um, unfor- unfortunately I think with the aftermath um, was you know when it came out, you know, there was a lot of fans that were like, oh, this is gonna dive into Luke, Leia and Han and it is, it totally diverges that. And there is a clear, huge vacant hole that Disney has left where basically after the battle of Jakku to 
the events of The Force Awakens, we have just bits and pieces kind of thrown here and there. And I I don't think this will happen, but my wish upon wishes is that they would, this next animated series would would dive into that period of time, you know, and that we could follow not maybe Luke, Leia, and Han, but that we could possibly get guest cameos by Mark Hamill doing the voice of Luke Skywalker, and we could get some Luke Skywalker adventures thrown in there. I don't know. That's that's possible. It's, it's probably a big wish for me to, to want Mark Hamill to be a voice actor for Luke Skywalker, but uh, I think I think they would have a real huge draw, though, if if they were like, oh, and by the way, you know. So, anyway, we can all wish. You, you're like, nah. Well, no, it's not. It's not that because I mean, I think a lot of people would like something like that, some kind of anime to bridge Jedi to Horse Awakens. But, and I thought we would get to this much later um, of where we think the series is going to go after this because of the open ending kind of. of the oh, spoiler alert! Series. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> if they're listening to this, then they already they should know. They Same should thing. know. Yeah. But, well, uh, let's. Yeah, we'll we'll keep it going chronologically. Okay. Um, I know we diverged a little bit. I did a, a little. We talked, started talking Hondo, and that got us all reminiscent about Clone Wars. Uh, so we get a title break, and we come back, and we see Ezra is in deep med- meditation, similar to how Kanan was meditating prior to his uh, death episode, mm-hmm. and he tells Sabine that something's changed. Um, it appears that the rebels are at their hideout kind of in the South region where the Lolf wolves originally took them. And Sabine, Vizago, uh, Zeb, and Ryder are all located there where, while um, Ezra kind of explains his vision that the Emperor is sending Thrawn back to Lothal. Um, this is where we have the kind of dissension amongst the ranks right writer expresses his disbelief in fighting off the entire empire without an army and meanwhile we get this intercut of governor price um and the fact that she cannot she can't find the rebels she's sweating it out she's worried that Thrawn's going to get back and execute her yeah. um and and, this, and yeah, this, yeah whole thing, this whole thing with with governor price so and it, it just it this is where it was too cartoonish for me and i get it it's it's for kids and they need to be able to believe figure it out figure it out quickly you know mm-hmm. but it's just like no one's that dumb you know it's just... yeah i mean i was kind of I, I watched this with with my family it's like i've mentioned this before this is kind of a family show that we all sit down to watch including my wife like she won't miss an episode now (laughs) and uh you know she she got kind of drawn into it and and you know we're all kind of like oh what's gonna happen you know like you know is he really betraying you know because we're all kind of like thinking this might be a trap uh and it was later in the episode where he could have shot rook and he didn't Mm -hmm. and that's that's when that's when as a family we were all like oh no writer like we were all kind of like we thought for sure like that was kind of like we were all holding out hope that it was a trick but we felt like that was the turn like too far like if he didn't shoot rook 
Well, it wasn't just that. It was um, Price. It was Governor Price. And uh, mm-hmm. she just took his hologram, holocron message just verbatim and didn't put any kind of measures to realize this could easily be a betrayal. And, sure. And that's but she's I'm desperate. Saying. Yeah. But she's desperate. She's sweating this. She's going to be executed by by Thrawn. She can't find these rebels. You know, it's it's basically her head. It's her reason that the Defender program got shut down. So, you know, I mean, there's a little bit of. You're, I know you're going to be hard on the cartoon, but that's fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we'll keep nitpicking it. The next episode, uh, I have a little bit more nitpicking to do. But. Oh, the last episode. This is the best. Like all of them, they have each of them has their highlights, and some of it you're like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have thought, right, well, thought about that a few more minutes before I wrote that down. Is yeah, All right, that. agree to disagree, but okay. <laughs> Next, we see Ezra and Sabine, uh, and the uh, we hear wolves kind of in the background howling. And uh, we even see some wolf wolves leaving, and Sabine turns to Ezra and asks, like, hey, by the way, what's your connection with these wolves? And he, he gives us little to no explanation. Like, I don't know, just something, some connection. I mean, really, we don't get much more other than the fact that they're connected to the planet. So, um, anyway, soon we see that the Empire has found them. Uh, Governor Price is bringing uh, several troop transports to round them up. Uh, there's a cool battle that ensues involving yeah. uh, Sab- Sabine's flying maneuvers. Go That's ahead. what I was about to say. Yeah, like, I thought that was really cool, especially for a cartoon to show Sabine going through the, the transport holes and, and fighting. I was like, oh, that's a actually a really cool shot. Yeah, there's a, there's another shot, too, where it was really cool where she was flying up. She turns around, pivots, and then the other troopers are flying at her, and she does a reverse where she's shooting downward towards them. It's a it's just a cool, cool, cool little... Um, I don't know. I, I feel like they they got in a lot of different, really nice imagery for each of the main characters. Um, specifically, Sabine Zeb has his moment where he gets out the big gun and kind of goes all like, you know, that was a, know yeah, full metal jacket. You know, yeah, like definitely full metal. Yeah, he goes yeah animal. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, and just one one other thing uh, that I thought was just. So cool. I love the imagery. I, I saw this in the trailer. I don't know. There's something about this that just, to me, reminds me of, of just being a kid and coming up with, like, really cool scenes and, like, thinking of, like, really cool adventures with Luke. But there's this scene where Ezra is flying through the air, jumping jumping across uh, to another platform, and he's got the lightsaber in his hand, and, and you just see the, crev- the crevices of the rocks and the... The, the different platform and he's, he's just jumping into battle, you know, just leaping like a, like a Jedi. And I, there's nothing, I guess, more special about the imagery. It just, there's something about it that to me just spoke to me. Um, let's see. Um, I'm trying to remember where I left off here. Uh, oh yeah. So, at some point, eventually Price gets the upper hand and uh, they destroy the ore crawler, uh, which they stole from earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of uh, crawler. And uh, they destroy it, which basically uh, everybody kind of abandons ship. And as Ezra and Zeb are just leaping and trying to make it onto the platform, we realize that all of the rebels have been surrounded up, rounded up, basically surrounded by stormtroopers. Rook has uh, 
Sabine basically um, captured, and it looks like the tables have turned. Price enters the scene basically and says to, uh, I think this is where she reveals that Ryder has is actually on their their side. Um, and oh, there's a whole other subplot I forgot to mention, and I kind of. I didn't even really write it up that much. But there's a whole subplot where um, Hera and is trying to get back with the uh, the ghost. She's trying to get back to help out Ezra, um, and they have to do this kind of tricky maneuver where they go silent and then they use magnetic clamps to lock onto a, a troop transport so that they can sneak back onto Lethal, past all of the Star Destroyers. Um, she successfully, of course, makes it back in time, just as Price has the upper hand. Hey, that, um, that's all on Hondo, man. He had done this many times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, you gotta trust Hondo. Um, so anyway, uh, it's revealed that uh, Ryder's true loyalty is actually with the Rebels, and Hera returns with the Ghost just in time to, um, you know, break up the fight, drop off some more troops. Uh, eventually, though, these rebels are still yet again outnumbered and they need to fall back into the caves. So there's kind of several levels of this fight that ensues, um, all leading to this point in which they're ret- retreated into the cave. Uh, Rook goes in there searching for Ezra and everybody, and uh, this is where the wolves appear. So... And I don't know about you. I thought this part was great. The wolves come out. They come out of the caves. Um, they kill just stormtroopers, just left and right. And I was laughing. I thought it was hilarious. You know, <laughs> it was vicious, but it it was it was cool. I thought I was like, yes, like um, this you're, is kind of you're laughing at innocent stormtroopers dying. I was. <laughs> They're being tossed around like rag dolls, and these giant wolves just go to town. I don't know. It was, it was nice. Um, and this is, I think this also kind of speaks to, um, you know, this aspect of the wolves protecting Lothal. You know, they're trying to rid Lothal of the Empire. Um Anyway, that's kind of the end of the episode is basically they they've captured Price. It looks as though they've killed Rook uh, or he's fallen way, way off into the distance, but he's not dead, by the way. Um, and everybody's Han- happy, except Hondo wants to get paid. And Ezra's like, nope, there's one more thing. We have to get every single Imperial off of Lothal. Like he's basically not going to rest until that's done. Which brings up the final episode, which um, one of us found to be very satisfying end of the series, and one of us um, found it to be a Disney ending. Everything. <laughs> what did you say? Found it to be a very Disney ending to a uh, series. I, okay, let's get to the let's uh, let's kind of move through this episode, and, and we can we can split hairs on the, the ending. Um. All right, so this was a, a one, not a one hour, but a two-part, 46-minute 
um, one, you know, movie or one hour movie kind of finale, basically. Um, final. I know I say finale. People always make fun of me for it. Anyway, this episode begins with Ezra um, talking to his mom and dad through this hollow photo projection thing that he has. He's just talking to his um, mom. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's a sweet scene. <laughs> you mean everything. <laughs> it's not like that. Yeah, it's totally still but, sobbing. And then, like, Sabine's like, dude, grow up. No, you're, you're being a wuss. Come on. People, <laughs> people are watching. Hera overhears hears him talking about his new new family and, and it brings a little tear to Hera's eye. So it's a sweet scene. And at least at least this harkens back to the, the theme, a larger theme throughout this series, which is, you know, a orphaned child um, that has been kind of in the crosshairs of the Empire. He was born on Empire Day and lost his parents who opposed it so you know um anyway who enough about holiday what's that i'm just kidding. like he said <laughs> he was born empire day and his parents opposed it it's like who opposes a holiday <laughs> yeah. yeah one day off work a week <laughs> it's one day off work Come on. or a, a year so um anyway ezra convinces um price to help help them gain access to the Capitol Dome, uh, basically through force. So uh, through, through the wolf, she's intimidated. And um, their plan is basically to infiltrate the command center, and they're going to launch the dome. Well, so, you're getting a little ahead. Well, I mean, that plan is kind of explained um, yeah, I know, by Price. Like, she figures that out. Oh, I just meant, like, did I... there's a scene there between Sabine really quickly okay. also where he goes where he you know kind of goes i can always count on you which I oh i have that right after that mm-hmm. oh, okay i'm sorry then that maybe I no no you're fine no you're good i said on the way uh ezra tells sabine cryptically that he knows that he can count on her yeah that was my next line but and you, and you wonder is it kind of like because he already knew his fate which kind of guess at the end he kind of did like he had different paths he could choose and and so he maybe he even saw way into his future yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll never know. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, he's he's clearly he's he's worried that something's going to happen, and and he needs he needs her to to help him out. Um. They they arrive at the the dome or what have you, and there's a an intense firefight. Um. As Ezra's rebels. Um split into two two teams basically and there's as you mentioned earlier there's this hilarious ognaught slash pig throwing maneuver that allows them to gain access to the command center classic uh diversion technique technique here that uh hondo's used several times <laughs> um, <laughs> it never fails um they do gain access to the command center um and they decide to use protocol 13 that calls all of the empire back to base. So yeah, now, now there was two things. Um, like I want to, I, I did like the interior of this little mini death star um, mm-hmm. because it shows that the architecture of it is getting more empire ish, you know, to a new hope where it does look like the death star. 
but it's one of the things where it's, it's just a cartoon and you have to explain stuff to kids. But why would you tell Governor Price your entire plan? You know, it's like, it makes no sense. Have you oh. ever watched a movie or have you ever, you know, lived your life where you tell someone everything's going to happen and they go, well, we know what's going to happen. Like, I, mean, I think like, she's the one that, I think she's the one that figures it out, by the way. But she's like, you know, surely, I forget, you know, surely you can't think you can win and all this. And then she's yeah. like, what are you plan on doing? She's like, well, we're going to, oh, you're going to recall the code because that way we're going to bottle you all up and then send you into space yeah. and, and just. I don't know. Like, it was just one of those moments where, what if she escapes and she knows your entire plan? You know. Well, that's what Rook is for. So, um, because we see this other team, uh, I don't know what, how you break all, all of these teams down. I'm going to call this Team C. Um, it consists of Vizago or Viziago, uh, Mart, who is so easily forgettable of a name. Mar Mar is basically Ezra, Ezra's cousin, like that gets to to you know it's like when Bo and Luke Duke had replacements. That's what Mar oh, was. Cousins. Yeah, that's because I kept yeah. going. Like, who is this kid, and why does he? Why, the, it's clearly the same actor who voices Ezra is doing his voice too. I'm like, it's just weird. Like, who is this guy? So so Mart, um, just a little backstory on him, and, and I won't go too deep into him. Um, but he's part of Iron Squadron. And there's an episode in which they they meet. Iron, I think it's called Iron Squadron, actually. So, and that's kind of there's a whole episode in which they recruit him as their friends. But it's kind of the the episode is kind of like, oh, this is like the ghost ship. If I don't know, it's, it's kind of like a alternate ghost ship or something like that. Like just the characters on that ship. So. Anyway, I was never a fan of that episode, Iron Squadron. It was kind of one of the, I think, filler episodes from season three that I was I don't just kind of like, remember it. So that should tell you. Yeah, it it does not stand out as as one of their stronger ones. But Mart though does come through in a pinch, and uh, he is also joined with Wolf. Um, Rook attacks them and knocks them all out conveniently. But uh, the, lo- the wolf wolf has their ba- uh, has their back. He attacks Rook, and Rook gets away, and he immediately contacts Thrawn. So, uh, from this little transmission, we find out that Thrawn is in route, and um, this is all kind of happening while Protocol Thirteen is going into effect. Now let's so, get into that because this is a true yeah, sure. This is a true nitpick of just military tactics. Okay. <laughs> Why would any military occupational force only have one base on an entire planet that you can do a protocol 13, which recalls all the soldiers throughout the planetary system to come to this thing? And it's mm-hmm. okay. Now, one reason would because, or one reason would be because, as we've seen, they've been destroying the, the planet, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they've been just raping and pillaging it from all of its natural, you know. So at some point, once you've kind of consumed an entire planet, wouldn't you just say, all right, time to gather up everything. We're going to launch this thing. A Star Destroyer is going to come along, pick us up, and then we're going to move on to the next planet. I don't know. It's just a theory. I just meant one single base. You know, it's convenient. One single base. Yeah, it's convenient for a cartoon series, but... For military purposes, it doesn't make sense of like, oh, 
just all one location to attack because that's not the well did you read did you read protocol 14 no because protocol 14 is 12 yeah okay protocol 14 is similar but there's a second that that some people go to okay that makes sense i'm glad you're here to explain these things to me i know it's there's a lot of different protocols just like there's a lot of different orders so Um, we anyway, only, we only know the one. You know, we don't, we, we know, only know the one. Yeah. We don't know what happened through one through sixty-five. We just know sixty-six is the one you don't. Like. <laughs> yeah, and and eighty-six. So, order eighty-six. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love the special. Uh, yeah. All right. So uh, let's see. Um, Rook is in route. Uh, Thrawn's like, you know, yeah, whatever. Get to the. Uh, the power generator. And um, this is where my notes get maybe a little, little thin here, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Cause I'm, I'm a little general Thrawn arrives uh, there. They are at kind of a somewhat of a stalemate because um, they are unable to launch the dome because Thrawn is above them. They'd crash right into it. It destroy the city and Thrawn is able to bombard and basically blow up the city because God, he gotta, has control. Yeah, you oh, gotta, what? You gotta sell this, Matt. Come on. This is one of the best scenes of the episode. <laughs> oh, okay. You you sell it then, because I'm I'm clearly not. You like the military aspects of this. I, do, huh? I, I like the dark side. So it's like, hey. okay. Well, I mean, just think about it. You know, you have Ezra and all them taking over the base. They think, okay, this is all we have to do is just launch this and we're good to go. And Thrawn, who they did, they stayed true to his character in that he doesn't care. He's cold and calculating is that he gets there and Ezra's like, we've got you. We won. Ha ha. Mm-hmm. You know? And he's like, he's like almost like, Oh, you poor little things. You don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And it's cause he is, it's, it's a total brilliant move. He's like, you've just taken everything that might stop me from killing you and you've put them all in one spot. So now I can feel free to kill every single citizen on the planet. And, and just, I mean, just when he flips it on its head and it's just, it's a brilliant, uh, I was like, that's such. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to know who thought of that as a writer because, like, that was actually really clever. Well, and also to have Rook in place to take over the shield generator. Mm-hmm. So you know, even though they have command control of the command center, which could launch the dome, they the writers were like, "But we're going to put the shield generator somewhere else." And oh, by the way, Rook's in control of the shield generator that could protect the entire city, but is not going to, which allows Thrawn to. Uh, begin to attack and bombard, and Ezra caves like yeah. nobody's business, like a lawn chair. Yeah, like a lawn chair. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good analogy. But I mean, Ezra. I mean, this is this is his city. I mean, it's completely being destroyed, and um, and Thrawn has him figured out too, as we'll we'll later figure out. But this um, is this is the second thing that I kind of was like, now that doesn't make sense either, because as soon as Ezra surrenders. Thrawn's mm-hmm. one. You know, he's already mm-hmm. pointed out that all of his soldiers are in this base. So why wouldn't he just at that point say, all of you surrender, bring in this the, the troops, take all the rest of them prisoner, and have Ezra escorted up? And that's it. He's one checkmate. But he doesn't. He just says, I expect you to report, and then closes the communication. And so he leaves all of the rebels in mm-hmm. the command center. And that's where, I mean, just as a 
plot, that makes no sense in the calculated move I, by Thrawn. It makes I no think, sense. I think he was. I think the idea was is that Thrawn was waiting for Ezra to make his decision or something. No, because he actually says, "If you do any heroics, I'll right. destroy the planet." Okay. And, I mean, the only I, the I, only thing that makes total sense. I mean, it would make yeah. is that because he explains when Ezra gets up there that he is going to destroy the planet anyway. So he right, he care. does. So, but that that means that he probably would have destroyed the the base as well. And so he didn't care if they stayed on the command bridge or not, because he was just planning on making the whole thing go away. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, he, yeah, he does get to, um, so there's a, there's a nice little move here where Ezra, uh, prior to, uh, leaving, he gives chopper his lightsaber and, uh, it's really sweet. Uh, when Hera pleads with Ezra not to go, I just, I don't know. Like I was, I mean, it's like his, like he said, it's his, his, his family. So this is basically like his other mom, like saying, don't go. I just lost your dad. You know, like it's really sweet. And Ezra looks at Sabine basically, you know, and I think it's chopper that actually opens up an air vent shaft for Ezra. And I thought he just did it with some force. Okay. Uh, no, like, like, basically, Chopper in one foul swoop, he goes over and does something where, with his little arm thing, and then that thing pops open because Chopper knows the Chopper knows what's up. Um, Sabine distracts the entire group, saying, "Hey, let's use this map over here. We spent a lot of graphics on it, so let's use it." <laughs> and Ezra, uh, like the uh, street rat of old. Sneaks out the uh, the air shaft. You'd think he was getting too big for these air shafts, but apparently big kid now. he is a big kid now. And he flies off to to uh, to meet Thrawn. Immediately, Hera is upset and um, you know is is trying to stop him. And Sabine, being ever so wise, says, "Hey, we need to get we need to get that control of that power generator so that whatever Ezra does, we're ready for him." Um, so, uh, on the Star Destroyer, this is where we find out that, um, Thrawn shows how he is savvy, how he has outsmarted the Jedi. He, he realizes that this is what the Jedi do and they lack vision of how to wield power. Um, there's a really great speech by Ezra where he's basically telling him that he doesn't deserve this art. He doesn't deserve this planet, which I, I don't know. I just... I always like, I'm a sucker for <laughs> whenever art. Yeah, I am. I mean, I, I think it's cool that Thrawn is on one hand, an art collector and very, you know, savvy at how he like interprets cultural signifiers. And, you know, he's a grand schemer. Well, that's what he is, you know, and that's what makes him an interesting character is he's a, you know, almost like what you would call like autistic, you know, in a way. Mm-hmm. He pays. He he doesn't care about humanity, but he loves to study humanity and what makes mm-hmm. people tick to discover their weaknesses and their strengths. And that's what he is saying in that scene. And to me, it was yeah. that way, is that the Jedi, even for all their power, are weak because they always mm-hmm. choose what they perceive to be morally correct, even though it puts them at a strategic disadvantage. And that's why they were defeated. Because, you know, because Ezra does say that. It's like, but they're still around. He goes, but they were right. numbered in the thousands and now they're nothing. Yep. 
no, it's a it's a great scene between Thrawn and Ezra, and um, I don't know if we've talked about it on or off this show, but the recent comic that's out, uh, the Thrawn comic uh, through Marvel, I believe, if I understand correctly, it is an adaptation of the Thrawn novel that came out uh, by Timothy Zahn uh, just last year. I have not read that novel because um, I have certain issues when I read Timothy's on. Yeah. I just drives me to sleep and just grates me. But the comic though, I've loved. Um, I issue two, I think just came out today, which I have not had a chance to read, but the first issue was a, was an actual extra long issue, you know, as they, as they do Um, the writing, the storyline, the artwork, I, I was hooked. I was just like, cool. This is interesting. And even my daughter who, you know, tends to more go for the heroine and, and more kind of those, those positive kind of uh, comics, you know, she, she was like, Oh yeah, this is really kind of interesting. You know? So she, she even got into it. So, so if you're wanting more Thrawn, I would, I would highly recommend it. And, and if you're, if you're not a like issue per issue person, yeah, wait for the just, novel. yeah, just, just wait about four weeks. You can probably pre-orders it. Well, Pre-order it on Amazon, you know, get your Thrawn trade paperback. Um, I'm sure it'll be good. So, anyway. You know, it's kind of like if we've hit on sort of, uh, I tend to like the evil characters. To me, villains to me are more interesting than heroes because heroes are usually just a cookie cutter, I'm good, and that's it. There's not much depth to them. But it's one of the reasons why Marvel is good because their heroes usually do have a little depth to them. But, you know, it's one of the things I think Disney has misstepped with with uh, the new trilogy that's not complete yet is you know what's what makes vader so cool and all three of the original trilogies is you don't know anything about him you just know that he's evil you know and what makes him cool is that he's he doesn't care and i you know i like that and that's the same as what thrawn is thrawn is just cool calculating and power whereas in anakin in the original trilogy you kind of get it you know like he's gonna make the turn from good to evil so uh-huh. you kind of have to have that weak instilled in him or something to be plucked at to make that transition whereas yeah. in this one in the new the first two of these movies of force awakens the villains aren't really there i mean i i don't fault uh kylo ren i mean i i do find him to be an interesting character but we don't have that presence of evil there uh in this one at least in my opinion they don't i mean you kind of had it with snoke but you don't really know anything about Snoke and you never will. Well, maybe not. I can't say never. Yeah. Yeah. We, we don't know because I, I still think that they're going to introduce the idea of the evil force ghost in the last episode. So I don't see why they wouldn't. Now. Okay. That might be in one of the books then that's on our canon, but I always thought that only, or is that, or is that in episode three where only, so, in in the Force Awakens novelization, there is an evil Force ghost, um, and in the early concept art for, um, if you look in the uh, the art of the the Last Jedi, there's some early concept artwork of Luke um, being on on that planet and kind of what what would Luke's home look like? What would Luke look like? And so some of those early concepts, there is a uh, Somebody had painted even even in like a force, an evil, a dark kind of Jedi, or not a dark Jedi, but a yeah, basically like a Sith 
force ghost or what have you, like kind of haunting, or it's not haunting him, but it's kind of in the background. Um, but I, I, I saw that and I was like, yeah, I could totally see them doing that with Snoke. So, hmm. especially because, you know, I think we, at the end of The Last Jedi, we were all kind of like, maybe we'll see Luke again, because even how he, you know, says to Kylo, you know, see you around, kid. Right. Um, you know, it would, I don't know. Why not? I mean, if you're going to bring back Luke as a Force Jedi ghost to do battle in some way, why not bring back Snoke well, that, and have him do battle with Luke? It's kind of weird, though, and it's just one of those things that people and fanboys are going to have a lot of issues with, is that up mm-hmm. until now, you know, the Force ghosts have not been able to actually physically interact with the living world. They're just a... Sure. A, you know, a concentration of energy if you want to uh-huh. say it like in a more buddhist kind of way and that you know they can be there because they're just a concentration of energy and they can communicate and still be there but yoda showed that that oh i can actually physically touch luke now and so i don't know mm-hmm. i don't know if i would find it entertaining if i saw yoda or Fo- force ghost luke actually fight with force ghost uh snoke i i, I don't think I, I would like that look Look, it's just a it's just a something I'm putting out there. Oh, like, no, I'm not, I, I'm I'm not, not saying this... on your idea. I'm yeah. just saying like I think it would be a really far stretch, you know, because I think a lot of people like just the idea of like, oh, you have this immortality through this, right. but I think I think at least with with rebels and them discussing um, some aspects of the force and and what it means to be a force ghost and that through the force your intentions can kind of live out you know, or, or find their conclusion. So perhaps this force projection has still a limited life, you know, until your main, I don't know, purpose has found its end, you know? Um, anyway, I know we derailed into some, some episode talk here, which I'm sure, sure, sure. Nobody minds about, but, um, back to our rebels. Um, and we're at at Palpatine. Yes, we're at Palpatine, and and just to to kind of also kind of bring it back to something that you said about fanboys being upset about for certain force powers, which I know happened even with this last, um, you know, last Jedi. Mm-hmm. But even with Rebels, we've seen the introduction of some new force powers and abilities. I, I'm I'm always really excited about it. Like I'm kind of like cool. Like what you know, I, I guess mine isn't always to question. Like wait, you can't do that like i'm i'm always kind of like like why not like we don't know everything about the force i think it's fun when it's mysterious well you know like i i with my opinion like with, even with the last jedi i wasn't opposed at all to the the introduction of a new force power mm-hmm. i was just and i think i've already said this once before on the recap that i did with it i was opposed to just how they kind of jammed it through in one movie you know because it started off with just like the touching of mm-hmm. Ray and and uh, and Kylo, and then you can see it again with the water droplets coming through. But then by the end of the episode, it's full blown, you know. And I was just like, wait a minute, like you can't just because as far as we know, Luke has never even known about this ability. He's been a grumpy old hermit for the last twenty years or whatnot. And it, to me, it just it just seemed a little too much, too quick. You know, I I think they, in my opinion, they should have just left it with what they had done. And then introduce it in the next movie, but that's just me because I'm more 
you're more of a traditional guy you don't want to go to to you know you get to first base on the first date yeah and then and then you know you wait to get all the way you gotta ask permission first come on right (laughs) (laughs) all right um moving moving back to rebels here i can't even remember where we left off except for the fact that we're still at the emperor (laughs) oh okay so yes the thron has his meeting with with uh uh, Ezra and basically turns him over to the Emperor and Chancellor Palpatine's looking good. Yeah, what, like I mean, he's had a facelift. Yeah, he doesn't look decrepit. His wrinkles. It's like what? And I, he's he's and force I, projecting. Yeah, I guess he's force projecting. He's force projecting an image to Ezra of somebody that's kind and gentle and not, you know, this. I guess. Like I, I just always assumed that once Palpatine became the emperor, why hide the fact that you're Sidious? Not actually call yourself Sidious. You're just the emperor. So like, why not just wear the black robe and that all the time? Because like, it's not like anyone's going to oppose you. You control everything. <clears throat> yeah, but uh, I think he already knew him as seeing him as the emperor in that that gateway. True. So so he had Ezra hasn't made the connection between like like oh that is Palpatine. Even though, even though he does, and he even calls him out on it, like I know who you are. Like, like immediately when they're they're talking, he's like, I know who you are. Like, like he's he's not fooled by him; he's lured by him. And I think that I think it's great that we do get to see Emperor Palpatine force projecting this this image of who he perceives himself to be, looking pleasant and clean and unblemished. I mean, we know we know like the emperor has scarred himself because this takes place after return of the or revenge of the Sith. So he's, he's already scarred himself from the force lightning. And I think this goes to where I think the prequels were, where he was one of his force powers. One of Palpatine's force powers is clearly to, um, chameleon himself or blend himself or camouflage i guess that's where i'm looking for is camouflage himself Mm -hmm. um where he seems unthreatening and i think that that's what he was doing to ezra in this moment as he's trying to peel as i I probably talked way too much about this scene as (laughs) but i liked the fact that he looks good and that he's kind of doing this like a little bit of force projection and he is told ezra that he's rebuilt parts of the Jedi temple, the stones remaining. Well, that and, is, yeah, like now was the whole thing a force projection? Because this, this is the one mm-hmm. thing that got me confused because nope. why would part of the temple be in the middle of a star destroyer? Uh, yeah, no, the temple is in the middle of the star, star destroyer, but it makes so. no sense. Like, why would you do that? Like, why would you put it in the middle of a star destroyer? You got room. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, here's the thing. Thrawn, we know Thrawn's just getting back, right? Like, he went to visit the Emperor. Um, so he's get, coming back. I think the Emperor, he needs he needs Ezra to open up the portal. I mean, clearly, like, that's what this whole thing's about. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, the, the stones are real. Okay. So... And and to me, I I kind of harkens back to well, the last it was Jedi honestly, with the that kind of big, huge, empty area. I mean, it's a star destroyer. You could have a warehouse section in there. 
You could. No. I mean, it, it, there's, it was just a little bit of confusing. And maybe we can discuss it as in, you know, what you thought. Because, you know, when you, when you see him walk through, you know, this is, this is the emperor's kind of bait. Mm-hmm. Is that you can have your family back, you know, you can have, and so he, you know, Ezra walks to the end of this pathway and sees his mom and dad through this, you know, portal ish. And part of me at first thought, Oh, this is the emperor's way to access this time and space thing that Ezra had once Mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. And this is Ezra's parents from before they died. And this is what the emperor is saying is if you want them back, just reach through and pull your parents out. Because maybe who knows is maybe this might've been the day they died. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then it kind of derails from that a little bit and that the emperor says, you know, you you have to just reach in here and push this lever. Mm -hmm. And then once Ezra comes to his decision, and I don't know if you have any little interludes between, the outcome of this or not but mm, no i know i don't really but, but I, yeah but before Ezra he's, he's making his decisions he's like no my family he didn't say my family's dead but he just says mm-hmm. like i have my family and he's referring mm-hmm. to his rebels friends which that is his family and same as his other yeah. family is his family but you know but the thing is that his family's looking at him through the portal at this point mm-hmm. and so you're kind of wondering oh so maybe this isn't I don't know. I don't know what it was, and that's what I'm curious uh-huh. about. Like, what what power so, was this? Okay, so I guess I'll just say say like, and and I and I know that there's like a lot of like question marks maybe as to like the portal, how it works, this gateway. Um, one one thing that I that I'd read or came across that kind of started to click certain things into place about the whole series of Rebels is that every time they've gone to that Jedi temple, they dealt with some type of time and space illusion or other reality. So there's an episode in which Kanan is knighted as a Jedi Knight from the Inquisitor. And you're like, because the Inquisitor used to be a temple guard and, and Kanan battles him or whatever. And he's um, knighted by this temple guard. And because because Kanan was never he never went through the trials officially. He was a Padawan when his his master was killed and then he went on the run. Um, So this happens in the temple. Also in the temple, uh, Ahsoka sees Master Yoda. And there's an episode in which Ezra also sees and talks to Yoda um, and there's something else. There's another time displacement thing that happens in, in the temple. I think Ezra finds his, his uh, um, kyber crystal too in the temple. But there's something specifically related to time and space, real, specifically to this temple. So, and, and I'm not... I'm not just grabbing out of thin air. I, I know I've read that somewhere. So when I read that, that kind of clicked into place like, oh, okay, whatever magic or force powers this temple had, it was able to connect to this other realm. So, and sometimes it's clearly defined like in a world between worlds. And if you watch some of the more, um, Jedi temple centric episodes from the past seasons, you'll, you'll see hints at that. Um, and I think that the, 
the emperor was trying to unlock that and Ezra was the key. And that's why he was trying to, he's like, he could put the, the temple together, but he, he's not a Jedi. He can't even open it. Mm. Right. Like it takes two Jedi to open it. So just like, just like Jedi can't certain open certain force, like Sith kind of things requires somebody to open themselves up to the dark energy or the light energy. So I could see where Palpatine might not be able to open a Jedi temple door, but Ezra could, and he could at least maybe even conjure that image. I mean, maybe that whole image is just conjured just to lure. If that was the reason, then they should have explained it a little bit better. <laughs> this is what the Emperor is trying to do by getting well, him to do this. Um, I mean, it, I, I don't know. I mean, my my kids were on the edge of their seat. They thought Ezra was going to open it for him. Um, and uh, it was weird because I think my wife figured out. She was like, he's not going to. Like, like she, she said something to him about it. And I was like, but I will say this. That way that he's reaching through to touch them is the same way that he's reaching through to the photograph at the very beginning of the episode. There's that hollow picture that he's looking at and he's talking to his parents. It's the same same way that he's trying to reach through to the picture of them right there at the very end where he basically decides, I'm going to destroy this temple. Which there's this really cool shot of the emperor kind of flipping back and forth between his good side or his, you know, nicer looking to his darker evil side. And I just like the the way that the hologram kept flickering back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, we see a bunch of uh, Royal Guard members rush in. There's about three of them. They all have force pikes and they... Without their robes. Without their robes, but they are able to lift Ezra up with these force pikes um, and cause him some type of pain. As stormtroopers uh, also rush in to shoot Ezra, Ezra grabs the temple rocks. That's why I was saying, like, no, the temple's real, because he grabs these rocks and basically Hulk smashes them with these rocks. Um, anyway, um, that whole sequence, and I know it's probably interrupted a bit, um, I, didn't, I didn't break down uh, what happens on the um, the command center and, and the dome, basically? But well, it's, it's fairly simple. Um, yeah, I mean, there there's uh, two teams, right? Yeah. Well, I kind of fast forward over that part. Oh, okay. With the uh, <laughs> the, the third team because I didn't really care. Uh, but uh, yeah. Well, so no, I, no, like there's two teams to gain the shield generator. Oh, right. Um, okay. I thought you meant. Um, yeah, no. Team C is is yeah, off yeah. doing their 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 own thing. They're gonna go up into space and and do frequency zero or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah. So you basically Thrawn commands to resume the bombing, and they're on approach to to start it. And uh, Hera and Sabine get the well. They're just at the command center, pretty much. They are, but the teams A and, and B involving Zeb uh, yeah, yeah. doing this really great maneuver to kill Rook. To kill Rook, yeah. That's, like it. that's it. So basically he has to, com- to combat Rook to get the shield generator control away from Rook and gets it going, and poor Rook gets fried. 
Yeah. And I was actually surprised that that wasn't your meal you picked was, you know, some, some <laughs> fried rook. Cause he looks gamey. I don't know. That skin's really tough to but he was, he, I can't guarantee he was extra crispy. You know? Yeah. He was extra crispy. Uh, I like the fact that the, this this battle between Rook and Zeb, um, you know, two creatures that that uh, use their feet as hands, um, went down. I was it was nice to have to, that Zeb had his moment. And uh, again, I mentioned this earlier. I, I don't mean to be a broken record, but I do like to point out these these moments of non Star Wars fans, like my wife, who was so annoyed with Rook the entire like. From a fool's hope to this episode, she just kept playing like, just kill him. Like she was like out for blood. Like, and then when like he finally died, I, I think she she sighed a, a you know a bit of relief there. You know, she's like, oh, I never minded Rook. The only thing I didn't like was that episode where they made him the predator. Um, oh, sure. Cloaking device, and yet he never used it again since. Mm-hmm. Like he had one of the coolest technologies there is, and. Why don't you? Why aren't you invisible all the time? It it uses a lot of energy. It's huh. like uh, it takes a while to charge up that. Your good excuses. <laughs> yeah, I, I work for Lucasfilm. Yeah, that's, no, you, that's should, really... you should work for Ryan Johnson, really. Ah, yeah. Well. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I just one last thing, I guess, about Rook and and when he dies. Um, this was a moment for me because. At this point, like Thrawn and Rook are in the the Timothy Zahn trilogy, and I think a lot of like old school fans, we felt like they were bulletproof. Hmm. And when they killed Rook, I was like, all cards are on the table now, as to what's going to happen next. Um, I mean, really, I was like, oh man, like this is good. Like things just got electric again because when. When yeah yeah literally well because I mean Rook did seem bulletproof um, by the way also voiced by um, Warwick Davis oh okay yeah so and um, anyway um, I didn't write down the beat by beat but I know that um, this is leading towards Ezra's great moment where he goes into the command center of yeah that's basically what happens is start after, a after he defeats the stormtroopers and the imperial guards uh, that's what you see it's like he just uh you see thrawn looking out uh and and freaking out actually because yeah it's because he expects to start bombarding with the shields go back up so then he commands you know uh to rook and says you know rook where are you and then zev answers the comm says <laughs> you know he's a little busy and it's like you pretty much don't need to talk to him anymore yeah <laughs> or something like that well and, and then we also hear um uh thrawn call for captain valion and this was this was the another this was the other card that kind of fell so captain paleon i believe it's paleon right um is is the his his name but anyway he was the commander the captain of his star destroyer in heir to the empire so when we hear Thrawn asking for him and then, then the comm goes out and we assume that the Paleon's ship is destroyed. Oh, right. Again, it's that like, Oh, like they mean business. Like Thrawn could go. And I just, again, I felt like anything was possible. Um, it's a combination of a lot of things really quickly. Cause you see that where the, the comm people are saying there, we've got unknown things on the, 
the scope and they don't right. know what it is, and all the defenses on the on the outside of the planet have all of a sudden disappeared. And then Ezra comes in, blasting his way in, uh, and then that's when the the whales, space whales, show up. <laughs> yes, the Pergil. Yep. So I can tell that you're a fan of Pergil. Uh, I was amused with them the first time, like okay. But since then, it's like, okay, that's kind of weird. It's kind of like how at the end of The Hobbit and at the end of... Uh, oh. <laughs> it's like, why even have a movie? Just call the eagles up, have them pick you up in Hobbiton, take you all the way to the volcano, and just throw the ring in. There's your movie. <laughs> like, let, let me just ask you this one thing. Okay. Was it glowing? Because when it's glowing, that means you're about to go into hyperspace. And... <laughs> it was not oh okay so it wasn't an emergency then okay uh it felt like it could have like uh the lights were lighting up in the back <laughs> in the back, uh, in the back. Okay. all right so so ezra busts in right um and uh we the pergil arrive we'll, we'll start with that the pergil arrive and uh they're wrapping their tentacles around uh, Thrawn, basically. They've busted through the window. Um, I, I liked the scene. It surprised me. Um, and at this moment, uh, I think we also get... Um, oh, there's this moment where the, the stormtroopers have caught up with Ezra, right? Yeah. And he's having to force close the door behind him. And... Well, there he kills well i don't know if he kills them but like he there's two different there's some that come in and i think he does kill those and then he turns back to thron oh because yeah. thron shoots him yes that's right and then he turns back to thron to disarm thron and then there's more coming in and then he turns back around to force close the, door. the doors yeah that's right yeah he does get shot he force closes the doors the windows have been broken open. There's tentacles everywhere, strangling Thrawn. They're about ready to go blue and into hyperspace. He's uh, Hera's basically telling him to get out of there. And um, I believe he says something to Sabine, too. So Well, yeah, like they just, I mean, to get the gist, you know, they yeah. basically they're saying leave, it's time to leave because they're about yeah. to go into hyperspace. He's like, no, I have to see this through and. Yeah. And oh no, it, he does say something to her, but it's in the hologram later on the bridge. Oh right, that's right. And he does um I think um there's just that great scene though where he does he does have his I guess Canaan moment where he says, May the force be with you. Mm -hmm. Which was really cool. I, I just I don't know. I was a sucker for it. I loved this scene. It it made me like on edge because I, I thought Ezra would do something just as as Kanan. You know, just as desperate as Kanan. I mean, I, I was fully expecting the self-sacrifice again. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess I was a little disappointed that we didn't get that. Because, I mean, in my mind, it's just like, well, no Jedi should be alive now. You know, I mean, aside from Yoda, Obi-Wan, and Luke, that should be it. And, um, and it's just me being a stickler. I know. I I mean, I, I, I've heard this and uh, whatever. Have? Oh. So. No, 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 not from you, but I've also read it from other fanboys and, and other fan articles where they get upset because technically there's this this Jedi out there, technically there's this Force user, and 
whatever. Like, you know, I mean, you know, from from a certain aspect, the the Jedi are gone. Ezra was trained by a Jedi. I guess he's a Jedi Knight, but he's like somewhere in the unknown regions at this point. Ahsoka was never a Jedi, so she never graduated her Jedi training. They have laser swords. Sure, they do. They have laser swords, but they're not Jedi. So, well, I just meant not necessarily the Jedi or whatnot, but you know, I, I think after Thrawn shot him, mm-hmm. I would have perfectly accepted that ending as well as not him being dead, mm-hmm. but him being dying. You know, as and then been like, he's not going to tell them. You know, but yeah. like, I've got to see this through. Just make sure that Thrawn is out of the picture, right? Uh, and then left an open ending as like, oh, did he die or did he not die? You know? uh, yeah, I mean, I, and I liked that. I liked the open endedness of it. That we he jumps away. Um, you can you can check my <laughs> previous uh, guesses as to how this series would end. One of them was I kept thinking that Ezra and Sabine would jump away in some kind of weird blind jump where they end up on the other side of the galaxy. I was half right. You know, it was Ezra and Thrawn, though, um, that do this blind jump or this crazy jump where we don't know what happens to them. I I just, uh, my son, you know, not, not wanting to, to accept that Ezra would die, and it was like, no, Dad, he had a force bubble around him. <laughs> and the more I thought about it, the more I was like, well, yeah, like if you see those shots of him, like the the glass is kind of levitating all around him, mm-hmm. you know. So, I guess. Um, so anyway, they jump away. All of the Pergil take all of the star starships away. He's done it. Um, yay, Ra Ezra! And now it's up to, um, basically the rest of the rebels, Hera, and. Um, the, the crew to launch the space dome <laughs> and um, and escape. You know, Mark comes by. He's like, hey, I got your car waiting for you. Um, they escape the launching um, dome or what have you. Oh, and there's a really great scene where Sabine gets to use Ezra's lightsaber. So to slash through the crack. Oh. Yeah, slash through the glass. So... And, uh... Governor Prince decides to oh, go down with the ship. That's right. There's a really great moment between her and Ryder where Ryder's like, come with us. And she's like, I served the Empire until until my death. And he's like, so not for very much longer. You know, it's just it's really great. Yeah. Um, and then we get, uh, I guess we get this little last uh, bit from Ezra where there's a uh, chopper projects his kind of last will and testament um, and explains that, you know, there were a couple paths in front of him um, and he didn't want this one, but this is, this is what happened. I'm paraphrasing of course. So, uh, and then he also says something to Sabine, like, yeah, he just says like, I'm, I'm counting on you or, or no, don't forget or something. Mm-hmm. It's something like that. And she's like, yeah. but I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And, I guess the only thing you can assume is that in his vision, he knew that she would be the one that would find him. And that's why he says to her, I can always count on you earlier in the episode and then don't forget. And so maybe that's what it is, is that I can always count on you. Yeah. 
and that's why it's important because you see that like it's years later it's after return of the jedi she you know she's got right. shorter hair you can tell that she's aged and she's realized that, that now that the empire is defeated she needs to find ezra so so my thought on that was that that uh you know sabine was was basically she would have known about the the portal gate ezra would have talked about that um I I just assumed that he was like, hey, find another one of these force gates and come get me, <laughs> you know? Because essentially, if you could find another force gate, you could just grab Ezra out of there. That's true, but could she though? You know. Well, she, yeah, she's not force sensitive, but if Palpatine can't do it. What makes you think Sabine could do it? She's an artist. Oh, she draw her portal and. Oh, she's yeah, she's good. Uh, this reminded me of a Dylan quote, but I won't go into it. Anyway. Um, you don't look back. Exactly. Uh, all right. Here I have Sabine's monologue or her epilogue, um, which um, these shots of Sabine mirror Ezra from the beginning of the series, which I, I really liked the callback, um, her looking out um, over the tower. But um, she says, the attack we all anticipated never came. The once invincible empire had begun to fracture. The small rebellion had become bold, and with a divisive or decisive victory at the Battle of Endor, the Emperor's reign of terror had come to an end. After the war, Zeb took Callus, and they got married. Uh, They found (laughs) no, they didn't. It doesn't say that, but I know there are some fans out there that that kind of wish that they were a couple. I guess whatever. Uh, they found a, uh, Zeb took Callus along the secret hyperspace path to the planet Lyrasan. It was then that Callus realized he hadn't destroyed the Lasat people and they were thriving on this new world. A world, uh, he was welcome as one of them. Hera fought in the Battle of Endor, as did Commander Rex. By the way, she gives more detail about Callus here. She just kind of glosses over. Oh, by the way, yeah. uh, Hera was in the Battle of Endor. You may have remembered her. Um, Commander Rex, too. Um, Where, is... I didn't remember seeing him. So, so this has been a long time, like, fan theory, and it's now come true. But there is there is a bearded rebe- rebel, oh, yeah, Endor rebel. Yeah. yeah. And that, and, and a lot of fans have always speculated if that was Rex. Rex. And so now... Yeah, he, that's he be, th- this is where it doesn't make sense because he, yeah, he would be in his 60s at that point, you know. Mm, would he though? I mean, like, well, yes, remember the clones age at double the rate of a regular person, hmm. and so that's I mean. So if they're 20 in the Clone Wars, you have to do the math, it's been 20 years to a new hope. Oh, but I don't think you saw that one adventure where they got the, the oh. Holy Grail. God, you're so good with those. Uh, I'm so you fans out there listening are so blessed to have Matt and his... <laughs> it's it's Hera in the quest for the Holy Grail. Like it's, it's yeah. She she they go to this other planet where they have this cup and he drinks from the cup mm-hmm. and he's good. Goes poorly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see what else. By the time uh, there had been a new member added. Oh, by that time, there had been a new member added the crew of the Ghost. Spectre 7, Jason Sandula, born to fly. Who's the father? 
Mm-hmm. We don't know. I mm-hmm. assume I assume he it was, was Rex. Two timing. He wasn't even cold in the grave yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I mean those darn midichlorians. <laughs> so how do you think Jason Sindula was conceived? He spontaneously combusted. It was just that kiss, that one it's kiss that they had. It's literally, I love you. I should have told you long ago, and then he's dead. So it was like, when did we have time for this? They were standing on a big, huge ball of explosion. That's true. <laughs> Let me force push something into you right now. It's not just you. It's not me pushing you away right now as well. Oh, man. That was the um, one thing. I was just like, what? Where'd the kid come from? All right. Clearly, they had had something. They just never told each other. They loved each other. Uh-huh. I mean, you're the one that's upset about Disney taking over things. I mean, this is the most unlikely Disney ending. They they didn't. They were never married. They saw the Disney ending. I mean, yeah, you're right, and it's not traditional conservative values, I guess. But that's not really Disney anyway. But uh, wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, think about. It. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of shady stuff that's happening almost every Disney cartoon. <laughs> So anyway, Jason Sindula, he was, he's uh, basically uh, from Canaan somehow. Uh, he has green hair. I know there's a lot of fans that, that are like really confused about like the biology. They feel that, that her biology would actually be superior to the, the human. Um, you can't worry you know, about genetics, though. With the, you know, why would he have green hair? Yeah, well, just because she like would he have green skin, but then maybe darker hair? Like, I'm I'm just wondering what the artists like. How many different Jason Sandulas these artists drew up here? Well, you can't you can't think about stuff like that because it's the same as like with uh, with Ezra because Ezra's got blue eyes or purple eyes, whatever. Which in our DNA, blue eyes is a really recessive gene, and but he's also got dark skin, black hair. He's got a lot of dominant to our biology anyway, genes. So why would he have a recessive gene blue? So you can't, you can't judge genes by our That's, understanding of our own. Right. I mean, he's classic. He's classic Lothalian though. Yeah. See. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I just want to point out that Jason is spelled uh, like Jason solo from the old uh, legends. Um, so J A C E N um, is how it's spelled. Um, I believe. But anyway, yeah, it was chosen basically to kind of reference the Legends character. Um, anyway, uh, just finish shutting up Sabine's epilogue because I copied and pasted it here. As for me, I used to think that Ezra was counting on me to protect Lothal. By the way, I liked that a um, little bit. Uh, the planet and the people uh, he cared for so much. But one day, I realized there was there was more to it. There was something else that I was meant to do. I'm meant to be a DJ. <laughs> Ezra's out there somewhere, and it's time for me to bring him home. So there you go. Uh, Ahsoka shows up. What? Um, and then Just they go off together. Yeah. And where, she... was, where was she the whole time during the war? Huh? <laughs> and and what's up with her like staff? Like I mean, that staff's wild. It's got like a circle on the end of it. Yeah, it does. It's it's very wizard like. So space wizard, space wizard. Well, it's what we tune in for. Um. Okay. So I loved this epilogue. 
I liked the fact that we got one. Um, I, I always, you know, I, I don't like the story to end, you know, I always want like there to be a little something more. And I, I guess I liked the fact that this completed the series, but then also left just, just enough that, you know, I don't know. It, 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 it opens the mind for, for stories to happen. Kids can play, um, make up their own stories of what happens. And maybe, maybe just one day we'll get another animated series that, that explains what happened to Ahsoka, Ezra, and Sabine. So. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't mind. I liked it. I mean, I didn't hate it. But I also didn't want it to... I don't want them just to pick it up again right after Jedi and be like a resistance story now versus a rebellion story. And it's the same crew again. It's like, you know, I've seen this movie, you know, it's like, I don't need to see it. Another version of the same tale. Well, I would, I would think that whatever story we get about Ezra, Sabine and Ahsoka would be something similar or akin to what we got with rebels. Rebels didn't openly come out and say, Hey, you're going to get more Ahsoka. It was only till the last episode of the first season that you were like, Oh, she's in this, you know? And so I could see them doing something else similar along those lines where, okay, we're going to open it up to a new group, a new set of people, new characters. And Oh, by the way, we're going to see what happens to Jason Sandula. Um, you know, or, or maybe not, you know, but um, I know that um, he could be one of the Knights of Ren. That's been theorized now, is that Jason Sandula is, is part of the Luke Skywalker school of uh, complacency. Would die, probably? Well, the Knights of Ren, we don't, we, they're not dead. Yeah. Right? They're, yeah, they're out there. We don't really know what happened to them either. I assume they're they're back at Kylo's like home just, somewhere, just like chilling, chilling. eating Cheetos. They're, like, they're eating. <laughs> they're like messing his couch up and just hanging out, slacking. They're waiting for the pizza guy. Dude, where's your helmet? <laughs> <laughs> the, the helmet was so wicked, man. And now you're just like all brooding. And where's your shirt? Put your shirt on, dude. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh. Anyway. That's Rebels. I I really liked the ending. I um I know that uh, you had some some issues with it. I I thought it was a good capper to the the series. I liked that they brought in all of these different characters from this the seasons. Um, like I said, I didn't hate it. You know, and, and that's one of the reasons why I like doing this and I like talking to you about it because or was anyone with a different opinion? Because you know, you might change my mind on what I think about something, which I think you enlightened me on a few tidbits here and there. So I'll look at it in a better way. I didn't hate, like I said, everyone out there, I didn't hate it. It's just, it was very Disney in that everyone made it out. And I was like, I'm kind of like, you know, like I sometimes I'm on that opinion of like Harrison Ford should have died in Return of the Jedi. You know, Mm. Um, sometimes I think that way, like, oh, it might have been better if he would have died. Hmm. And I'm like, uh, but I kind of like the ending too. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I guess with with rebels, I, I know what you mean. Like everybody, everybody kind of made it out, or they had their story. Um, but you know, I mean, uh, there's there's certain things I guess that they're doing with Hera that 
up until this point, you know, the, the Jason Sindula thing was kind of like a wild card. Like, um, Harris and, um, some of the comics she appears in, uh, forces of destiny. And up to this point, they haven't really said, Oh, Hey, by the way, she has a kid. She's just kind of appeared in these things. Now I think with her having a kid, it explains why she would have been absent. It kind of explains like why she wouldn't have been hanging out with like everybody on empire. She's got a three year old kid. Like what's she going to do? You know, or a two year old kid. Like, I don't know when, you know, what her gestation period time is, you know, but let's just give, give, you know, give a fact that maybe she has this kid nine months after the death star blows up. Right. So well, the conception period is pretty quick. Let me tell you. <laughs> okay. Here's where I think that they hooked up. I think they hooked up on LaFall. That was like the last time they were together because essentially she gets, she, uh, she leaves when they have their, their, whatever we thought was their first kiss on screen. They, they leave. She says, may the force be with you. She's coming back during Rebel Assault. She gets captured, captured, and then Kanan rescues her and gets her free. So the only time that they, I think, could have hooked up was when they, when he was sporting that really cool retro 80s misfit outfit, you know, with the visor and hair was like actually put on something different that didn't, wasn't utilitarian. Like, I think Kanan was like, hmm, you're not wearing your jumpsuit. How would he know? <laughs> if you remember she said you never had to, to or you always saw me so because he says I wish I could see you and she says you you always could see me maybe he forced ghost impregnated oh my love <laughs> my darling you know, clay pot, you know. yeah there's a, there's a clay wheel somewhere on the ghost you know it <laughs> It's called the ghost. Oh my god! Ah, oh, the parallels. Oh, it's <laughs> like wheels within wheels. Where's Patrick Swayze when you need him? <laughs> um. All right. I think we we really sliced open rebels tonight. Um. <laughs> all right. A couple couple follow up notes. Filoni did say uh, that he believes both Ezra and Thrawn are alive. He did. Yes, he did. So, I mean, I was, I was happy cause I, I had said that I'm not sure if it was on air off air, but I did want Thrawn to live. I did not want Thrawn to die because of just the Thrawn trilogy. And, and I was like, no, I want to see Thrawn at some point later on. Cause he's too yeah. interesting of a character just to get rid of, just for the sake of getting rid of him in a series finale. And how cool would it be if they had a Star Wars Resistance show and you have Luke Skywalker, voiced by Mark Hamill, who works for Disney, and you have, you know, Luke Skywalker meeting Ezra Bridger, you know, in this cartoon world. Here's one thing that they can do in the cartoon universe that you could not or it would be impossible or, or, you know, I mean, it's not impossible, it's just the... The computer animation would just take forever. But everything that happened with the Loaf Wolves and these Purgle, you know, both both animals, both space animals or creatures or what have you, like, I think those characters and the way they came to life, I, I don't know if they would really work the same way or, I don't know, like in a live action TV show. 
headed by John Favreau. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Okay, uh, okay, go ahead. Another thing Back. I was, another thing I was, I'm slightly disappointed in is that you know was it the end of season one or season or season two when when Ahsoka is back mm-hmm. and attacking you know and he and she senses him and you know he just says mm, you know the, the princess lives uh and then you see them battle it out you know at the end of season two I kind of wanted one more just one more few minutes of Ahsoka confronting him because we didn't really get much of that mm-hmm. you know, or or vader talking to her or even trying to lure her back to being an apprentice again you know like, yeah because i think that because that's we we know that about vader is right that, i mean is, is that he always wants someone to overthrow the yeah and i i had speculated that that's how he let her live was that he actually offered to turn her and that there was a moment kind of very a la luke skywalker where he was trying to turn her and then she somehow got away yeah. So I agree with you. I mean, it would have been an, an interesting moment to have. You know, obviously we did, we don't get that. Well, we haven't um, seen you know much of that. You know, like we do. It's alluded to mm-hmm. in Empire. You know that he goes. You know, join me, and we could overthrow the Emperor and rule yeah. the galaxy as father and son. But you're not quite sure of that motivation. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I think one more example being canon. Because you do mm-hmm. see it in like the Force Unleashed and some other things, but it's like yeah. something else to like show that oh, the the true path of the Sith is always oh yeah do this uh, at least for casual viewers. I mean, we know that. But. Well, and um, again, I I hope that they they we get more of this or more of these characters expanded out. I'd, it'd be really I've I, I can't believe that I've I've grown to to really enjoy Ezra Bridger as a character as much as I as I have. I mean, when I first started, started watching this show, season one, I was just like, yeah, this kid's about the most annoying thing about the show. Yeah, he, was, he really was in season one. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, to come this far, to be like up into that moment where he is is strangling Thrawn and holding the doors closed, and, and he's just, I, I just, I loved it. I, well, I thought it was a really great ending to him. I remember at Comic-Con when a new Dawn book came out before the series debuted, they were given out copies of it, signed copies of it. And I have one and I started to read it and I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to be that interested in it. Mm-hmm. And then with season one, the first few episodes, I was like, yeah, I'm glad I didn't start to read that book. And I still haven't read it to this day, but I, I, but now I might go back and read it because I know those characters now. Yeah. So, You're talking about a rebel Dawn, right? Is that what it's called? Uh, or maybe it is called a new dawn. Maybe yeah, maybe I'm right. Sure it's just called a new dawn. Yeah. Okay. There's another book that's called a new something, and I always get it confused. So, <laughs> well, a new dawn. I I did read. Uh, I won't I won't spoil anything about it. But it is it is more about um, Hera and and Kanan. Yeah, so, I remember you yeah. briefly talking about it a while yeah. back. I enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed the you know as a book, and it's it's kind of interesting to see them as early characters. So. Um, for those of you that might be big Kanan and Hera shippers or, you know, fans, um, definitely worth checking out. Uh, I thought that the way this show handled Ezra and Sabine's relationship was pretty interesting because, you know, Ezra always had a crush on Sabine. I mean, they were they made that at least known throughout 
a couple of the semester, the seasons. And then they kind of brushed it aside or at least just made them grow up without actually having to address maybe their teenage hormones that they would actually have. Um, but as far as a relationship between the two of them go, I thought it was really, I thought it was really well done that Sabine would stay in Lothal for Ezra because I always thought that Ezra would never leave Lothal. Like that's how we would basically I think we, skip I think over we, him as, as a character in the, the rebellion. That's what I think we all thought that. I know you yeah. and I both said that as it makes sense. Either he dies or he just gives up and says, I'm the protector of Lothal. And that's right. It. Yeah. But the, but the fact that Sabine becomes that protector, I just was, I was like, it, it's just nice. It's nice when, you know, I, I guess as a fan, when you go into something and you're, you're expecting a, and A might happen, but it happens a little different than the way you expected it to. It still makes for a satisfying experience. At least for me, it did. Um, one other thought, um, the, uh, my, my, my brother who is, um, you know, he's, he, he's a Marine and, and uh, he, he has a certain approach to uh, the new, Star Wars movies that I think is probably more akin to you, Nick. Uh, <laughs> but he absolutely loved Rebels, the, the 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 final. He was just he was like I never picked up my phone once. I was just completely on the edge of my seat, just you know. And it was it was interesting to see someone who was so disappointed and frustrated with the Last Jedi be able to walk away from Rebels and be like. I love Star Wars, and this this was satisfying to me, you know. So, um, well, it's like um, you and I have not discussed in depth, but it, you know, it's like a, anyone who's frustrated with the prequels, especially Episode Two and Three, with the portrayal of Anakin being this whiny weakling of a character. When the second version of, or even the first version of the Clone Wars cartoons came out. I think a lot of people went, that's the Anakin I wanted. Yes. You know, and yeah. so it does, it kind of gives you some relief that someone got the character right, at least. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, less kind of, you know, Star Wars news. I mean, we kind of alluded to it. Uh, John Favreau is going to helm a, a live action Star Wars TV show. Um, you know, I, I heard this, I was like, okay great like yeah, i just I, feel like lucasfilm is writing these like checks with all of these like directors like you get a show you get a show well i think it's because it's such a part of all of our lives that we all feel we own a piece of it not saying that john favreau thinks he owns a piece of it but like we all would love to be in that universe in some way mm -hmm. yeah and uh you know if, if star wars comes knocking who are you to say no um i mean i don't hate the pick but i don't love it either yeah uh john favreau i think is actually a very good character writer um mm -hmm. like you, you think swingers or yeah he did uh, another one not too long ago like 2006 or 7 where it's him uh with his son he was like a famous it's called chef that's it yeah he hmm. was a, he's a famous chef but he gets a really bad review and he goes berserk and so he quits his business to start a food truck with his kid and it's actually a very good movie and it's huh. just a little independent. And I think he I think that's where he shines is when he does little stories 
that are more about characters versus because like Iron Man is not a bad movie. Iron Man two is a bad movie. Um, and I don't think of him as an action director. Um, right. So that's where I'm a little iffy with this choice. Well, I mean, he is going to kind of produce and helmet. So, you know, I, I doubt that he's going to be directing every episode. I, my, my, my fool's hope <laughs> uh, about John Favreau, um, you know, and, and helming this, this live action TV show is that as Star Wars fans, we've, we've heard of a live action TV show since what, 2004, 2005. It's It's been a while. And apparently Lucas himself has written episodes. There was like a hundred episodes written. Yeah. I remember him saying that that he basically had five or six seasons already written in concept. And but the thing is that I remember him saying it was going to cost like 12 million per episode. And that's just (laughs) insane. Yeah. Especially at that time to do. So, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm probably of two mindsets. One, I would love, I would love it if some of those stories, whatever that that show was, I would love it if some of those stories came to life. I don't know if that's really what he's going to do. I don't know if he's really going to dive into the Lucas playbook. Um, I would imagine, like most TV shows, they're gonna start from scratch with their own characters and ideas and you know all of that jazz but i'm just i'm hopeful that a you've got this playbook shitting on (laughs) sitting on the shelf like go to it check it out what did lucas do like you know there's there's a reason why he's helmed this this series and and, uh, this is his universe so i just you know everybody falls over themselves over ralph mcquarrie and um, and I love his work. Uh, Rebels is, is, is based off of a lot of Ralph McQuarrie concept stuff. But you can only go to that well so many times. So, And I feel like Lucas is, is up there. He's up there on that Mount Rushmore. And I, I hope that they, they, they just don't ignore him. The way they did with the sequels. Yeah. Because, yeah, because I, I, yeah, I mean, I supposedly, you know, he had... I know that, you know, from... I think you own them as well. You know, the making of mm-hmm. the Hope, New Hope Empire and, and Jedi books, which are huge. You know, he does provide some images of like his original, you know, at least that there's going to be nine to 12 episodes. And then he kind of joined them. But uh, yeah, that he had ideas already sketched out for what the next trilogy would be. And then, you know, that he has released some things that, you know, the first episode out was going to start the same way the last Jedi did that Luke is, had a disappointment and he, yeah. he is uh, secluded on an island and they definitely took that idea. But mm-hmm. I do agree with Mark Hamill and I don't want to get too much into Last Jedi, but, um, <laughs> but you know, I do agree that even if that was true and they would have done it that way, he can't see Luke being a grumpy old man the entire episode. It's more going to be like, I, you know, yeah, I'm down because of this, but Luke always saw the bright side of things. You know, he, mm-hmm. He was the kid who wanted to go fight the Empire. He was the kid who, instead of, even though he did seek revenge um, in Empire, he didn't know that it was his father. And then once he found out it was his father, it was all about, no, I'm going to see the good in him. And so that's that's where a lot of people also, I think, feel that Last Jedi, they betrayed the character of Luke in that Luke wouldn't be down like that. He wouldn't 
he wouldn't say like, Oh, I lost my apprentice to the dark side. He would say, you know what? I lost him. I'm going to get him back. You know? And yeah, I mean, I, 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 I see, kind of agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I see what you say, but I, I'm also of the mindset where I'm, I'm fine with, with the hero being disillusioned. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with, with Luke. Um, not being in a good place. I think that I think it's easy for us to say that that our heroes would never tarnish or they would never falter or that they would never kind of you know fall from grace or or this ideal of of always being true. And in some ways, Leia's kind of like that, you know. Um I mean Leia has you know put up with so much as far as like seeing her entire planet destroyed, right? Um <laughs> that was always one of my favorite little memes. I'm sure you've seen it too. Where <laughs> it's this still shot of uh, Luke on the uh, the Talking. game board, the yeah. on the game board after they escaped the Death Star for the first time, and and uh, she's like, comforting him. Yeah, she's comforting him. He's like, I can't believe he's gone. He's like, Yeah, I know. I just watched my whole planet get destroyed. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> crying about some old wizard you knew for a day. Yeah. <laughs> Not only that, but she was also psychologically tortured by yeah. what would be eventually her father. So there you go too. So, um, but yes. Um, yeah. Leia kind of comes out ahead as far as being the, the most stable of the two of them, but still, I, I guess I'm, I don't know the, the reluctant teacher or the, the idea of the, the pupil seeking out the teacher. I, I like that as a, as a story arc or as a, as a, uh, not a trope, it's not a trope, but just that idea that, that the, the student that is, that is willing would, would seek out uh, a reluctant master. So, um, I don't know. There, there's something about that, that I, that I enjoy. So, um, anyway, we'll, we'll, we're hoping <laughs> Nick and I are hoping to kind of revisit, uh, the last Jedi as, as kind of a, a follow-up discussion with with both Chris, Nick, and I, and It'll you know, somebody a, else. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a yell fest. I hope you enjoy a long podcast. <laughs> um, it even be like a, a four parter. Who knows? Well, there's there's definitely a lot of uh, new kind of digital information out there. Deleted scenes. Uh, Last Jedi just dropped uh, yesterday, and. Um, I haven't made it all the way through the commentary. I was listening to it the other day or last night and a little bit today. Uh, it was interesting that um, he recorded the commentary before any of the um, feedback, you know, before it was actually even publicly released. He recorded the the commentary. So um, it was probably wise on his part because, you know, maybe he would have defended certain scenes more than others. You know, he was a little bit more. He's defended everything else. <laughs> hey, I'm excited that there's a commentary. You know, you don't get that from a lot of uh, uh, Star Wars directors. The only clip that I've seen of like one of the bonus things was uh, Mark Hamill on set while uh, Frank Oz was practicing. Oh, uh, huh. And it's you know it's the first time that he had seen that in all those years. You know, and you see yeah. him kind of like hiding a little bit, and then as soon as you hear like Frank Oz, like you haven't seen Yoda yet, you just Mm-hmm. See Mark Hamill standing there, kind of like someone was filming him privately. Yeah, and then you hear all of a sudden you hear you know Oz Frank Oz in the background going like, mm, you know, still younger, whatever he's saying, you know. And then all of a sudden uh-huh. you see Mark Hamill like touch his chest, like oh, like you know, just, <laughs> it hit him like 
I haven't heard that in so long. Yeah. And it just and then of course someone said something to Frank Oz and he noticed him over there and then they hugged each other and you know it's it nice. it a, it a quick short clip but it was just interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to dive into some of those those um, little nuggets. So uh, so hopefully we'll be back uh, soon to kind of uh, you know revisit some of those those little extras and tidbits. Uh, I hope that um, everyone that did tune in to um, our Rebels recaps and breakdowns enjoyed them. So I know that, uh, you know, it's kind of a, uh, it's a, it's also a treat for Nick and I, because, you know, I, I really don't get to talk to anybody else that watches Star Wars Rebels. And even probably can, I can come up with all of these really crazy ways that uh, it works. So, um, if you enjoyed this podcast, um, another podcast like this, uh, we are on the Jay and Jack network. Um, we're a listener driven podcast. So, uh, we have a lot of patrons out there that make this show possible. Um, along with the rest of the, the Jay and Jack, uh, podcasts out there. If you'd like to become a patron, go to jayandjack.com. Uh, you can find out all of the information there. Uh, you can also go to Patreon slash jay and jack i think it's patreon uh, slash jay and jack um and we also have an amazon affiliate link too so amazon i think it's amazon.com slash jay and jack um and if you use that a little bit goes our way um and if you don't want to give us any money at all uh we would really love it if you just rate and review us on itunes that uh, always helps us out uh there's a couple patrons that patrons that make this show possible and we'd like to thank them um without them um i don't know i guess we'd still be here we'd still be here we'd still be here we're very grateful for them so grateful to tack from tokyo molly the millennial falcon uh (laughs) ed the letter carrier and we cannot forget cannot forget uh eckhart richter so I did not. I would never forget Eric, Eckhart Richter. I always have to think about it a couple times. My last name's Eikhoff. Starts with an E. Anyway, um, that's it. That's our show um, this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, what? What? We, how do we close out this show? I think it was almost one in a million. Great kid. Don't get cocky. 